0: Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and I've got uh, co-host Carla Jo Helms here with me.
1: Good morning, y'all.
0: And uh, today we're going to be talking with Christina DiGiacomo of uh, Moralchemy, and we will explain that name a little bit, the Moralchemy, not the DiGiacomo. Um, and We're talking about marketing ethics or ethical marketing. I love this topic. I can't wait to jump into it, but uh, Christina, they call her the Notorious CDG, and uh, she inspires leaders to rise above the challenges of the working world by harnessing the power of philosophy. I love mixing philosophy into business. Christina, thank you for jumping on with us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Did we say your name right? De Giacomo? Well, you made me French and I'm actually Italian. (laughs)
0: So
2: it's it's Giacomo, but close. Giacomo. Okay. Okay, Got it. Got it. DiGiacomo.
0: Giacomo. Are you going to do the hand gesture? All right.
2: Very important.
0: Yeah. I did a hand gesture the other night and accidentally karate chopped a wine glass into pieces. So I'm going to try to keep my hands to myself now on. (laughs) Um, So ethical marketing. There's so many areas we could get into with ethics. I want to try to stick as much as possible to stuff that applies to marketing. That topic, I guess, just diving in right off the bat, Christina, can you tell us what that even means, ethical marketing? Is there a such thing?
2: Well, that's a really good question, because I I was thinking about just now what your listener or viewer must be thinking, like ethical marketing, isn't that
1: an oxymoron?
0: (laughs) We're about to tell them all they're bad people. You know,
1: why? Right, because we're not so, supposed to be selling stuff. Is that what it is? It gets people off their philosophical, spiritual track to get into the mess, the material universe.
2: Right. Well, actually, that's a really good. That's a really good point. Oh, um, yeah. See, <laughs> yeah. We're
0: already,
2: <laughs> oh, we're already philosophizing. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I first, it's not a term that I've come up with ethical marketing, but it it is. Something that I've been really thinking a lot about, and just to kind of take a step back, I want also people to understand that I spent 20 years in the advertising industry. So yeah, you uh, don't look I, like you, you did that. Like, oh, thank you. Was I you started when seven, you were 10, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so from the year five until now, you were in <laughs> Right,
2: yes. I, I started working at, uh, you know, JWT at four o'clock, at four, uh, f- four years old. Four years old,
1: yes. Marty, am already a thinking, like, oh my God.
2: So uh, so I think it's worth just noting that I've been on the agency side and the client side for, for quite some time before I, I do the work that I do now.
0: So you definitely but, know what unethical is?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've experienced (laughs) these ethical questions or questions around, are we doing the right thing? Are we, you know, what what are we trying to say? What do we stand for? Like these sort of really tough, meaty questions that happen behind closed doors outside of like the agency's eyes or even wrangling with an agency. If
0: they knew Um, you were thinking about that stuff, they probably would have fired you. Like, what yeah, are you, you doing? Do You're supposed to be thinking about what makes us the most money, not whether it's right or wrong. Right. Is what oh, makes us the most well, money.
1: Maybe what makes the most money is the right thing. Well, I think that there's several, like what makes us the most
2: X, Y, Z that comes up. What makes us have, you know, the largest share of voice. What makes us get the most click-through rates. What makes us like, Apple, what makes us like Nike? So, that whole what you just said, KG, is that whole sort of prefix question, like what makes us dot, 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 is imbued in every single marketing conversation that goes on at every agency and every client. What ends that question is when we start getting into the ethical space
1: when you mean what ends it means like it cuts it off and it's no longer
0: that's when they don't want to talk about it anymore
1: (laughs) (laughs) what i mean by is what makes
2: us have more value what makes us purposeful what makes us useful what Mm -hmm. makes us good how that question ends is when we start getting into that ethical territory.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's really like, it's a higher purpose. So you're really like, are you staying on purpose when you're marketing and selling and running your business?
0: But none of that had the dollar sign. There's nowhere in there to say, what makes us money? Which I feel like that's the Well, I mean, when you get into the money point, yeah, you have to evaluate that. The number one thing companies are concerned with are not what makes us ethical or what makes us, it's, it's what's within the funnel all the ethics are outside the funnel until you start, you know, you get into, to why and purpose marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's what makes us, like you said, what makes us the most clicks, what makes us the most opens, what makes us the most conversations, what makes us the most ultimately at the end of the day money. And then somewhere in there, somebody might say, yeah, but is that right? And then they go finding another job somewhere else. Cause I got fired for asking dumb questions that weren't related to revenues.
2: So I think we're seeing a shift actually. in a a lot of organizations.
0: Is it real or is this?
2: That are rethinking the order of things. Meaning if we think about what we're here to do, how can we give the most value to our customers? How can we be a strong brand? How can we operate in the market in the most strategic sustainable whatever that value system is then the money will come right and there's a lot of organizations that realize and are actually you know there there were I, I read in I believe it was in Forbes they did a study of organizations that were actually thriving in the pandemic and they were They were organizations that had been built around brand, that had been strategic, that had not been outcome driven, that had not been bottom line driven cultures. And they were the ones who were actually outpacing, outlasting, outwitting survivor in the pandemic. So Mm. we are starting to see indicators and signals now that there is this rethinking of how a business makes money. And a lot of leaders are starting to realize that if you chase the outcome, if you chase the bottom line, you're actually leaving money on the table. You're actually not, you're, you're only going to make as much money as you can imagine, as opposed to a more expansive view. But this is getting into the more sort of kind of heady stuff about marketing. But I'm just saying that there are a lot of organizations that aren't as sort of, you know, outcome driven. Um, Is that kind of like a J curve? Like you
0: can really easily get um, profits on one side, but then you hit this, this ceiling barrier because your practices aren't ethical enough. On the other side, it might not be as easy to get up there, but it has a higher ceiling on it. If you at least put out enough impression that you're being ethical, because a lot of it's a little bit. Are they really they want you to think they're using recyclable stuff or they're donating a percentage? They're not going to tell you what percentage or how much that equals to. I think there's a lot charity. more people
1: that are doing good than people that are lying.
0: Yeah. Or, well, I mean, they're just making it a little squishy. It's a marketing tag. Like we need to say we're giving some money to charity. So let's just we can say a percentage. And now people think we're good.
1: Hmm. Well, I don't Christina, know. I mean, that,
0: I guess let me have an actual question for you, Christina. Yeah. <laughs> let me do an actual question. Is social media accidentally making other industries more ethical by having a greater amount of communication between people? So, you know, if they, when they do unethical things, they get called out for it more. Um, in the past, it had to travel, you know, over the landlines and stuff like that. Uh, and now suddenly it gets around a little faster. It doesn't seem to be affecting social media. It doesn't seem to make them more ethical, but maybe it's actually lifting up the ethics of, of other industries.
2: So there's definitely been an increase in transparency. You just can't get away with shit anymore. Yeah,
1: that's that's so, true.
2: So there's that, right? And I think that it has called into question for a lot of organizations you know who are starting to see t- these massive takedowns of their competitors or adjacent industries these massive takedowns from a whistleblower or from consumers who have just gotten together and say you know what enough like we're not we don't want this stuff in our bodies we don't want you know we don't we don't want you polluting the environment or whatever you you you're taking money from people unethically you're pre- you're predatory and so i think that that what social media has done is mobilized people into evaluating what are their values, what are their principles, what are their ethics and actually beginning to look at the practices of of organizations through that lens and, and giving them the, you know, giving them the megaphone to actually be vocal about their opinions about it. Now, the the question is, are companies listening? And I think they are. Yeah. You get a little bit of purpose washing, right? There's that, there's that sort of- Good
1: term, purpose
2: washing. Thank you. I made
0: that. Trademark. Copyright. There we go. (laughs)
1: Notorious D.I.G. D.I.G.,
0: come on. C-D-G? CDG, CDG, CDG. Yeah, I
2: don't know. Someone gave me that nickname, and then everybody and my group started calling me Notorious
1: CDG. Oh, CDG. So- okay, yeah, got it. The,
2: the capital letters in my name are CDG. Got it. Okay. So,
0: I wasn't so- gonna say anything, but I I thought when I first read that off, I was like, she gave herself that name, right? <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> but, but purpose washing—that's a really good term. Really good coined term. Well done. Thank you. So yeah, I think a sky has seen enough purpose washing in his day that he's very cynical.
0: I'm I'm upset all that, the time about it.
1: That yeah. he pushed, you know, that companies that push big purposes, he doesn't quite believe it, rightly so.
0: They push like, the smallest purpose now and I just scream bullshit. Liar. It's like Invasion <laughs> we had someone of the Body on our Snatchers podcast
1: with a really big purpose and Sky really grilled him but he did a great mm. job in answering those questions I thought.
0: He actually did because he wasn't like, no, I was born wanting to do this the way he explained it, it was like, oh, <laughs> he didn't start out with the purpose. Somebody just said, come volunteer here. And he did yeah. because he wanted to be a good guy. And, and it made a he, difference. He was like, wow, I that was amazing doing that. I want to get into this more. And I said, okay, that's not a lie. And now I, I'll let you go. <laughs> so purpose watching, that's good. Now, what is that kind of, um, when we're talking about social media and can, is social media making people be more ethical, because like you said, it, the work can get around, you can't get away with shit anymore. Is that kind of what cancel culture is? People complain about it, but I, I look at it and I say, wait, cancel culture is just the culture, And I know it can go too far, but isn't this just the culture canceling things saying, hey, we don't like what you guys are doing. And isn't that kind of what we're supposed to do in a democracy is find things that we don't like. Now you can get the uh, you know mob with a bunch of pitchforks sometimes Going after the slightest thing because they start realizing, "Hey, we like torches and pitchforks. Let's go find something else to burn down." Um, but you know, bad guys getting canceled—that's not necessarily bad.
2: So I try not to get. Um, I try to make the distinction between just a good a good word versus <laughs> whether it's you know versus what's actually happening and so here i am i just coined a word purpose washing right whatever so i'm being a total hypocrite but the thing about cancel culture first of all was a terminology that was created by people i believe by people who did not like the fact that there were other people who were disagreeing with them
0: Right, calling right. them out for their bullshit. Calling
2: like, them out for their. Let's now, make up a
0: phrase for the. Let's make.
2: Let's label us it. being
0: victimized. Yeah. Let's
2: label it with a negative and shaming connotation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Let that take off. The thing about it is, all cancel culture is is participating in the destruction and reconstruction of systems and things that you know that we need or don't need anymore in order to evolve that's all it is
0: so you could call the french revolution cancel culture and you could it, say yeah. wow some bad things happen there but you're like yeah but also all overall some good things happen you're not going to always get it right but
2: yeah for revolution
0: for against come on here
2: we can we can call the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs cancel <laughs> culture that's all we very can. well
0: could you very
1: <laughs> well could do that
0: Personally, I love that asteroid. Yes.
2: All all I'm saying is let's not get caught up in the politics or the frenzy around that word, because what what's going to happen is that the essence of, of what is happening, which is happening all the time, then gets stymied and we begin to thwart our own evolution and are the and and that evolution happens through conversation disagreement uh, agreeing to disagree you know seeing other people's point of view whether we agree with it or not
0: so and
2: two, like, so so that's i mean i'm not an expert on cancel culture by any stretch of the imagination all i can say is from a philosophical perspective we are putting we are we're it's like an envelope right and you seal an envelope. And all we're doing is sealing the fate of all of us being able to kind of work through some meaty issues and rendering us unable to do that the second you're like, oh, that's cancel culture.
0: Oh yeah, you can't get rid of that because then they'll just say, you're just getting rid of me. So is this, I mean, it seems like this kind of boils down to judging. Is ultimately what we're doing. And people always use, they typically use judging as a bad word. And yet, I don't know, if you're a Supreme court justice, like the notorious CDG of ethics, suddenly a judge is a really high seat to, but if a regular person tries to judge it's like, that's kind of what we do making decisions all day is just pass judgment on things. I always try to tell people don't make a negative out of judging. It's did you judge good or bad? That's it. If you have bad you judgment, want people to
1: have a sense of judgment, you want them to have good. a rationale behind things like so we do
0: all day. You look at things, you judge them. Is it good or yeah. bad? Is it somewhere in between? Where does this fall? Does you, it
1: fit yeah. with my purpose? Is yeah. it the greatest good for my life?
0: Good judgment, bad alone? judgment. So yeah. does this boil down to judgment and can you definitively tell people that judging is good?
2: So I think judgment in conjunction with wisdom and discernment is good
0: good judgment is good okay
2: yeah (laughs) judging based on you know
1: that something that's not true well judgment based on false data fixed ideas but see though the people that have false data and fixed ideas don't know that they do
2: so that's that's fine and yeah. they don't know what they they don't know what they don't know, or they aren't aware of their lack of connection to the truth. Um, but that doesn't necessarily that still makes their sense
1: of judgment flawed, right? Right? right. Yeah, but, but that's so, a judgment on our part or anybody else that deals with them too, right? They can. They so can then, that that
2: begs the question: Is judging then good?
0: Right. So maybe we shouldn't think of ourselves as judges.
2: I mean, are we making sort of statements around judging whether, you know, like, is it a spectrum? Is there is it one way or another? Is it good? Is it only bad all the time? And these, these you know, we have to decide for ourselves. But I'm saying that judgment mixed with wisdom and discernment. Can actually be a very powerful thing.
0: So judgment's sure. good when it's. It almost seems like it's super polarizing in that people say you either have good judgment or you're judgmental, meaning it's bad. But nobody's like that person's got an average judgment. They just kind of come in around the middle, you know. <laughs> they're a very vanilla in their judging. Um, sometimes they get it right, sometimes wrong, but it's never that far off. Um, so judging maybe. Would it be more accurate to look at people and say, we're all judging all the time. And in order to be ethical, if you decide you want to be ethical, some people know they're doing the wrong thing and are cool with it. Um, instead of seeing yourself as a judge on a particular topic, seeing yourself as, cause that's kind of saying, I already know all this stuff. The judge is supposed to already, you know, you already have the ability to judge and maybe you take in a little new information, but what about seeing yourself as a member of the jury And you just get those jury instructions and you have to tell yourself, I need to be impartial about this, take in the information, put a cast aside my, my, you know, previous fixed thoughts on things and, uh, try when we're judging things, seeing it more as from the eyes of a jurist, a juror, than than from a judge.
2: (laughs) Well, if you think about what the instructions are for a juror, a juror, that's kind of how we should also be. Maybe looking at things, which is as impartially as we possibly can and weighing all the facts as much as we can and using our using our minds versus our emotions, taking ourselves out of it, looking at things from another point of view, seeing what's presented to us, seeing it, knowing what what is there
0: with a willingness to come down on either side of something ahead of time.
1: Well, you also so, have to be willing to change your mind when you're looking or not at have things your mind from set, that point of view. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The point of a juror is don't have your mind set yet. Yeah. Be willing to, like if you have certain thoughts on any political, any ethical, whatever thing, and you come in and you're not willing to consider that it, you could be wrong or cast aside your stuff and willing to take the evidence, then there's no point in really having that debate anymore.
1: That's discernment. That's what discernment is. Yeah.
0: Hmm. All so, right, so, I'm
1: is, gonna... so how does this relate to marketing?
0: Oh, yeah. We got to get to the marketing part of things. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I will put a link to the juror instructions. I'll find them somewhere on the show notes for this episode. So people want a little help mm-hmm. uh, with their judgments. Um, take, take a look at those juror instructions and see how people are, are supposed to act when they're in the box. So marketing, before we get to the break, let's broach this marketing topic here. Is it fundamentally unethical from its foundation or do we have something to talk about
2: I don't think so i think it's it i think if it, taken purely
0: i was worried i was like okay. we don't have a second half of the episode if it's just right. unethical no, I,
2: I look at marketing in its pure form and form, its essential form which is you know the study of people and their needs and identifying what their needs are and meeting those needs. The essence of marketing is pure. However, and this is probably where we're going to get into (laughs) in the later part,
0: Then there's what works.
2: So much happens along the way, (laughs) you know.
0: All the shortcuts.
2: Where it it came from in that pure form to where it ends up. A lot happens along the way and some things that aren't good.
0: Right. All the shortcuts because you're like, yeah, I could do, but why not just step over here? It's so much easier to get the result I want, which is not ethics. That's just this annoying thing that's on the side, <laughs> being ethical. Okay. So a lot of things to get to in the second half. We're going to touch on Dan Price. We're going to touch on Simon Sinek uh, on ethics Ooh. and marketing. I want to get into the means justifying the ends, a little AI talk, some PR. Carla Joe, get ready for this one. We might okay. tear your business apart. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> oh, then, no. Any, and then uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get into some practical tips on on being ethical in their marketing, because sometimes I feel like marketers may find themselves doing something because they're just they're going through the motions of marketing. And then they look back afterward and they think, oh, maybe that was not very good to have done. Or don't, and, and so, so some we'll, we'll get some practical tips on how to make sure ahead of time you don't step in marketing doo-doo that could come back and get you on social media when somebody else points it out that you're uh, uh, maybe maybe being problematic. Um, so all that, that's a lot to get to after the break, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Christina DiGiacomo, also known as the Notorious CDG, talking about ethical marketing. Notorious Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We have Christina Giacomo, the notorious CDG here with us talking about ethical marketing. Christina, before we get into that laundry list of things we still have to get to on this topic, um, can you tell us a little about yourself, where you come from, how you got into this particular line, strange line of business? So uh, I
2: was working in advertising. Uh, And as most of, you know, uh, it's kind of an intense industry. And about 10 years ago, I was, you know, an executive and I was just in the grind, working really hard, dealing with the politics, doing all of that. And I just had had no life. (laughs) It really had no life. I mean, that's, you know, and I just was, I just woke up one day and I was like, I have no life. And (laughs) I think I went to, I I went through an existential crisis. Wow. I really, it was so profound. I was like, what the hell am I doing?
1: Was there something that led up to that? Did you just have a bad series of days, too many politics in the corporation? Like,
2: I remember, That I was working on an account that I just was, it was just one of those like accounts that People kind of worked on because it was like the agency's cash cow, mm. but no one really gave a shit about mm. the, ske- the thousand skews that we had to manage and, you know, do creative for every single region in the United States of these little tiny banner ads. I mean, it was just one of those real grind accounts. And but were they,
0: were they did you see them as a business that you didn't like representing or working for? Not the company you're working for, but that account was that account. Did you find them unethical and that added to it or no thoughts on that?
2: No, not at all. I just, you know, it just was. They're just blah. Yeah. I mean, it was consumer packaged goods account and, you know, it, no, I, I didn't have anything against the organization that, that company, it just was one of those real grind accounts. And I just, you know, was like, what am I doing? Like I, I'm sitting here pixel pushing a freaking banner ad in the 11th round of feedback. Like I, I, something in my mind,
1: you just, just something twigged, like, yeah. like and the 11th feedback. Thing yeah, 11th method. round
2: of feedback on like a 200 by 200 by. 250 by 250 like banner ad that was like animated what i can't i mean i'm really going back there you guys are triggering me
0: <laughs> oh. it sounds like it was like a philosophical punch in the stomach yeah, where you're just really, like what I, am I, I doing with my life oh yeah, my god so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pass away all, eventually in this <laughs>
2: that's what an existential crisis is yeah. we wake up and we're like what the heck are we what am i doing with my life why am i here you know and so I just so happened to be on Subway in New York City. I live in New York City. I live in Queens, and I saw an advertisement for an introduction to philosophy course, and something inside me clicked. <laughs> well, you
0: were in the, uh, yeah. in the middle of an existential crisis. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so of course, it would resonate with me.
1: It's um, good it also, that you know it wasn't the bar that caught your attention. It was like yeah. the philosophy thing.
2: Actually, I needed to step away from the bar. Uh, I I think it was really also probably time to do do that that too. And I I took an intro to philosophy course. And the funny thing is, is a lot of things came together for me because I was always that kid that would ask why, like a gazillion times. (laughs) I, you couldn't ask why anymore. And I was always a very curious and student, very studied, uh, you know, read a lot. Like I was in was into, I, I was kind of like a philosopher when I was a kid. And um, when I took this class, I was like, that's it. This is it.
0: So is that was the school of practical philosophy? Is that that? Yes. That's, that's a great, I love that school of practical philosophy. That's yeah. yeah. For something. So they
2: they help make philosophy accessible and real for everyday situations. So what mm-hmm. happened was, is as I continued to study with the school, I started applying what I was learning in the situations I was experiencing and found myself able to cope and thrive.
0: So while we're talking about you, favorite philosopher. Socrates. And then. Let's go back Hmm. to the show. So School of Practical Philosophy. I just thought I can't have you on here without asking that. I know. Um, we had to know that. In the last year, you studied managing emotions in times of uncertainty and stress. That seems like a very specific course maybe invented just for this last year.
2: Yeah, basically. Um, But that particular course, uh, I don't know exactly when it was started. Um, It was it's through Yale. Uh, and, um, but it's, it's actually a really good course. It's good. It's good grounding. I think for a lot of the things that, you know, I talk about and I work on with people, which is how do we deal with uncertainty? How do we deal with chaos? Like, how do we look at it in a way that can inspire us to be able to navigate and negotiate it a lot better and how to manage our react? Cause really You know, Epictetus, who's a Stoic, says it's not about the situations that affect us. It's how we react to those situations that affect us. And so what I was learning through the school was all of those kinds of things. And uh, then I just was like, I'm advertising lots of love. Thanks for all the fish.
0: Those two don't come. You can't start studying philosophy and stay in advertising like that's. uh... Yeah,
2: I really I started to really feel like this tension. Um, and I couldn't, I, I just couldn't, I had to make a decision. So philosophy was it. And then I realized I want to teach this stuff to people. And that's how I started my company, Moralchemy, which is a combination. It's a mashup of morale and, and alchemy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because I want to help people feel better about their place in the working world and their place in the world and helping them use philosophy in order to do that, which is essentially loving wisdom and, and using your wisdom in order to handle your situations. Well, that
1: is the derivation of philosophy is loving wisdom. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Do most people you talk to, do you find there is some, that there, there's something they're doing in their business that's ethically off that needs to be adjusted. I I mean I guess how far? Do you talk to people that are like, wow, 100% of what these people are doing is bad and they need to completely change or is it like, hey, you got a couple things here to tweak to maybe feel better about yourself and just be able Well, would human? the people
1: that were 100% bad ever ever seek her out? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, come on, you have to have some sense of ethics, mm. right?
0: It's a good point. You, the judge of N at the Enron trial doesn't say, and you have a bunch of, <laughs> you need to go talk to morale committee yeah, for 500 hours right? as well.
1: Mostly those guys are like so pompous. They don't think they're doing anything wrong.
2: So, so um, I think really what's happening right now is ethics as a topic is moving out of just the legal context or right. the compliance context. So if you, if you know how ethics is discussed in an organization, it's usually the legal department um, or the HR department that's coming up with sort of very compliance oriented.
0: It's can we be policy. sued is all that exactly. matters. Will we be sued? Will, are we breaking the law?
2: Right. Exactly. If, if exactly. We, What's going to throw us in jail?
0: Right? If I'm not going to get arrested, it's ethical. Right. Yeah.
2: So the thing about it is ethics is actually really the the study or the application of what is the chief good which
1: totally yeah that makes sense totally chief tough, good greatest good greatest good
2: chief good what does it mean to be virtuous aristotle's virtuous virtue ethics like so what what where i sit when it comes to ethics, is taking it out of that sort of legal policy-driven construct and bringing it into the human construct within an organization, which is, are we treating people well? You know, how are we interacting with each other? Um, Are we putting good processes in place that support the greater good within the organization and among staff? Are we treating our customers it with the greatest good or how about
1: are we taking care of ourselves yes
2: exactly are we taking care of ourselves so all of these things are ethical questions they are all ethical topics and so for a really long time organizations have not have not been applying ethics in my opinion they've been applying ethics in a very limited way
0: in the legal fashion hey lawyer is this illegal and how illegal frequently like so many companies it's okay it's illegal but what's the fine? Okay, then we're obviously gonna do it anyway because it's cheaper to pay the fine than to not do it. I mean, is that the most unethical thing companies do? Is saying it's gonna be cheaper to pay the fine.
2: Well now you're talking about actuarial issues and I'm not an actuary where <laughs> I'm mitigating risk. Like that's that's a whole topic I guess
0: just judging wise, on. is there something worse than that even? Maybe the passing on of the the true cost of something when a company says I can legally dump all this sludge in the river and now I'll have this huge profit margin. If I had to pay to actually dispose of this properly, it wouldn't be a profitable enterprise, but because I can do this.
2: And it's legal.
0: Yeah. Or not quite illegal. But
2: (laughs) if it's illegal, then they shouldn't, there's no moral question about it at all. It's just illegal. Mm. So where, where it starts to get, you know, where you and that's the thing. It's like, it's not a one size fits all like, and that's why it's really difficult for people, because it actually takes a little bit of awareness and judgment and decision making and work to to actually ask these kinds of questions and figure out what the answers are.
1: I don't always think the chief good is the easiest thing to do. I mean, in the long run, it is because it saves you a lot of consequences but, and ramifications but companies only look always. at
0: the quarterly profits it isn't like a thousand years from now is this Well that would be part
1: of the chief good but it wouldn't be the only part right So
0: here's another side of the coin you're a company and you actually do good let's say but if you if you don't make a profit and stay in business you can't do that good so you get this weird ends justifies the means or something you said christine at one point i think was the means justified the ends flipping it around and it's almost like hey even if you don't win if you play a good game then it was good
2: so one way to kind of think about this is to and and it's very easy for us to go into a place where we separate profits from doing good and the thing is is what is being said, and what I believe is, you can have both.
1: I agree. I don't think doing good means you have right. to sacrifice. Yeah. I think that's like well, sacrifice that's your
0: company. If your company dies in the act of doing good, you can, can't do any good anymore. Yeah, but
1: your company, <laughs> good but point, your chief. Good good—that's a chief
2: good problem. <laughs> but your company can die by doing bad, and we're yeah, now right. starting right. to see lots of companies dying because they're doing bad. Yeah. Seeing less companies dying because they're doing good.
0: Right. But so, I guess the, the other, then you don't, you get into the Darth Vader problem where the guy, you get the situation where you actually believe, all I have to do is conquer the world and then I can do all this good. And that's the means justify the ends or uh, the, uh, well, that's definitely the means backwards. Argument, right? Where you're like, yeah, I got to do these bad things, but I just need to break people to my will and then I can make everything good once I have supreme power.
2: Well, that's, that's the, thing well that's about imposing your will on people but in your mind and and whatever rationale and justification you put towards it does not matter i mean because what you're talking about is you're talking about you know there's many examples of ceos who thought that they were doing really doing good work and then got caught up in their drinking their own kool-aid and then imploded in spectacular fashion
0: or that I mean, also no, but, knew but, they were doing something bad, but they had to do it in order to get to the finish line, which they felt was ultimately good. Yeah, but that's like, a justification and
1: rationalization sure, but- they had to go through. That's just yeah. what you were saying for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to delve into that actually because, um, essentially. And, and I think KJ said this before, like those that are doing bad, thinking that there is a good in the end, don't really think that they're doing anything bad. Right. Right.
0: right. But I mean, so- you get a cop that plants evidence. He knows the guy's guilty, but he's worried we don't have the actual evidence or I don't have justification to go into this place. So I'm going to make it up. So they're doing something that they know is wrong but they know that the end is like, I, I know this, this just can't be used in court. So I'm gonna do this other thing in order to get the bad guy. So I'm the good guy, but they're doing a little, I mean, being unethical isn't always, it's like saying lying is always bad. Like, no, right? you can lie for good, yeah. But where do you draw that? I guess that's the judge. Well, I think we the thing is the chief
1: day. good. Say you've got eight areas you've got to take into account and two of them are going to get screwed in your decision. Well, you know what? You're You're over the 50% mark. So right, boom, right. chief good. You know, you get down to 40% or below, then you're no longer chief good. <laughs> so it's not,
0: are you good or bad? It's what percentage are you good? It's what bad?
1: percentage? Yeah.
0: These okay. are
2: all really good ethical conundrums that we find ourselves in. And I don't, I- you, I,
1: I, it's not possible in this planet, in this universe to be a hundred percent good. A hundred percent chief good. It's not always possible. You're dealing but with so can- many. You so can strive for it and trying to be
2: yeah. trying to achieve
1: good. That's hey, long the- as you're more right than wrong. You know what? You're going to win.
2: <laughs> right. So, yeah. but back to your example, Sky about the police officer, right? So ethically, you know, he's doing something wrong morally, which is a totally different area. Morally, you may think he's doing something right, but then the question is, What if ten other police officers did the same thing, and what if some of them were wrong?
1: Yeah, or what if they find out he did something wrong, and then every other case that he did good on now is totally wiped out. The criminal goes that police
0: officer was actually wrong, and he thought yeah,
1: or yeah, yeah. Turns
0: out, oops, I was no, I was wrong. I felt like the guy was, but he wasn't.
2: So these the laws and these ethical things are there for a reason. Will there be something is, is it completely impenetrable? No. Will there be cases or things that fall through the cracks? Yes. But in general, they are there for a reason. They hold us together. They hold our society in balance in a yeah. way that's their purpose.
0: So I've got a speed round now. Cause we're, we're running out of time here. I want to get to a handful of these things. Um, in general, Christina, being ethical in marketing, do you think it pays off?
2: I do. I do. I think, and, and just to, to put a finer point on what is ethical marketing, because I had a whole rant about this, you know, it's really about thinking about the consequences of your behavior as a marketer, right? So there's tactical things that marketers do without regard at all of what the consequences are and what their what the impact is mm. and i use the example of conversations i've had in in ad, in agencies and in companies around the attention economy quote unquote i'm air quoting for those who don't see me the attention economy So it's like everyone's watching Netflix. Every, you know, this is the brand talking. Everyone's watching Netflix. Everyone's watching Prime. And we have to find that 15 minute sliver of space in everyone's days to serve our ad or to Mm -hmm. get their attention. This is what Quibi was trying to do. And it was a spectacular failure. Um, And I can tell you why I think it was. But so you have all these brands that are trying to just kind of get. Just five minutes of our lives. And, you know, I'm so tired of this bullshit, because that's five minutes that you are taking away from a woman or a mom who's trying to spend time with her kids. That's 15 minutes of someone's life that really should be focused on reading or meditating or spending time with themselves. We're wondering why people are so maxed out is because every brand on the planet has taken over every second of our lives and we no longer have time for ourselves. We've so got then death would, by
0: a thousand cuts, kind of. They yeah. so then
2: we're forced to have to wake up at 3 a.m. in order to start our morning routine just so that we can have personal time. That's outrageous. So hmm. what I mean by ethical marketing is if you want to be in ethical marketing, get back to the basics, Research your audience, understand the insights, get to their universal truth, understand who they are, appreciate who they are, have a reverence for their life, give them something that they need, understand their needs. Don't freaking kitchen sink the crap out of their lives. And so that's what I think ethical marketing should do. And you know what? It pays off. It pays off in brand loyalty. It pre- be- pays off in customer retention. It pays off in um, in cust- in consumer advocacy of your brand. They will keep coming back because they in subconsciously know that you are there exactly when they need you to be there and not at any time where they don't need you to be. So there. It's basically
0: marketing as spam everywhere, not just an email, but you're spamming the universe with all your marketing, trying to, if you, if you're a marketer and you could have your message in front of them 24 seven, um, would you, and if you would, that is unethical. You should have it in front of people as little time as necessary
2: when they need it, when they want it. Like, do the work, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Freaking- well, I agree with that. Do the work.
0: So it's in smart business, that's, in, that's targeting. When you're doing email marketing, online marketing, and it's one of these, then we get into this dilemma of data and data privacy because the more information marketers have, the less time they have to be in front of people because you can target better and you can say, now I only need to be in front of this 1,000 people instead of 100,000 people because I know the 1,000 people that now is the right time. On the other side, giving marketers a ton of data doesn't typically work out very well because they do unethical things with it.
1: Look what what
2: it's done. They got more data.
0: Right. They don't say, now I can only target this 1,000. They say, great, now I'm going to target the 100,000, but even more with more specific messages for their specific possible interests. And then you get what we've we have something that we're tracking now in our company because we're a data company and not data like big data and social media and stuff, but direct contact information. So think more spam. We provide email addresses, phone numbers, that kind of stuff. Um, But we have started tracking the friction within a particular account is what we call it, which is any resistance to marketing. People get upset when you market to them. We want to know so that we know, um, you know, if everybody has a friction score, you know, how much can you market to this person without annoying or pissing them off? Um, some people you have to send 10 emails to for them to even notice one. And some people you send the second one and they're like, Hey, I got it, buddy. I saw the last one, leave me alone. And but it's really true. You do have to
1: really get to know them.
0: The purpose there is to reduce friction. Yeah. Um, to reduce the amount of unnecessary touching you're having with any particular product on people. Um, I think so it, it seems if marketers just even actually have the thought, that's maybe a good place to start. Is this ethical? Is this, is there something I can do to make this less problematic for the end user? Um, if nothing else, that could help them at least they're thinking about it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know? I think I think that's a that's a great way to like get people to think about this podcast, is end it with getting them to think that's very philosophical (laughs)
0: well done
1: to us right i guess
0: another good thing to touch on simon sinek and why i always scream about this i think he was well intended but everybody runs with it and you get this bs purpose marketing then um because they're like oh we have to have a why now let's make one up so we can sell more um i think you could do a whole nother two episodes on that christina probably
2: (laughs) yeah i i probably could um, the thing and is, maybe we
0: will, because yeah, maybe, there's so much here. Maybe
2: maybe we will. I mean, look, all the best intention, uh, yeah. which it, it really what I think Simon Sinek was trying to do is to get us to a place that was more thoughtful about what we're doing. And he encapsulated it in this very specific word, which is which is why.
0: For marketing purposes, almost, it seems like, which then yeah. goes wrong.
2: Right. So... <laughs> The 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 thing is, is that it got hijacked, yeah. and I think it was misunderstood, um, and spun off and misappropriated. Monster, like yep. there's like, and so well, yeah, isn't that
1: was, always the way things go? That's <laughs> <Right>. what
2: marketers <laughs> <Yeah>. do,
0: though. <laughs> that's
1: what marketers right.
2: do, right? Yeah. So now it's like you've got people who are consultants in finding your why. Yeah. You know, um, there's w- probably why assessments. So now everyone wants to find their why. And the the thing is, is again, very similar to my rant about cancel culture is, yay, you used the dictionary. You found the word (laughs) why and you used the dictionary. And I'm more interested in why this is resonating with people than people all of a sudden finding their why.
0: I feel like Um, his book was almost like the communism of, good purpose marketing in that it would look good on paper, but he did not take into account what humans will do with this concept. And it's not good. They're not going to apply it the way you think if it was perfectly applied, they're going, we're going to twist it and destroy it. And then we, you know, you get what you get. So well-intended, but got yeah. perverted a bit. Yeah. With the with why on that. Um. Okay. What about uh, Dan Price? That, that guy seems people look at him online, very controversial and a lot of things, but he did just say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And went and did it. Paid all his employees, 70 K at the expense of the company. They may have went out of business because of what he did, but he said, you know what I thought about it and this is the right thing to do.
2: And he's still in business, right?
0: And I think still in lawsuits with his brother and former founder over. I don't
2: know anything about that. Yeah. I don't know I, anything about I that. I believe he so... was sued
0: by his brother and, and co-founder because his actions we're not in the best interest of the business.
2: Hmm. Except we the mean. business is still in business.
0: Right. But And then maybe that's the lawsuit may have said, we have to wait 20 years to see how this pans out. <laughs> because- I mean, and
2: that, here's the thing. Dan Price did what he thought was right. He thought about the chief good, recognized that poverty is the one thing that really rips communities apart, rips the, his staff apart. So he decided to do something about it in the only way that he could, which was use his chief executive power in order to give everybody a 70 K minimum salary. And regardless of what the brother does or whatever, guess what? He did this when like five years ago, six years ago, we're still a while ago. We're still talking about it. His company is still in business. He's being lauded by you know organizational justice uh people and social justice people and people and economic economists and he's still in business he didn't go under he nothing nothing happened
0: yeah well here's a a
2: bunch of conversation about it
0: now we talked about legality sometimes what's right isn't necessarily legal because in his case when you have a corporation and they were both shareholders, and I believe this is where the lawsuit comes from. I don't know the details of it, so don't send me tweets, but um, they're both shareholders. And when he does <laughs> something is that is not in the best interest of the shareholders, that reduces the share value, maybe short term, but what what terms do you have to look at in those kind of cases? Then his brother says, hey, or let's say his other the other shareholders say, hey, you're you're doing something that's actually not legal with the company here. When you're running a company legally, you have to do what's in the best interest of the shareholders. You can't intentionally lose the company money and lose the shareholders money, but that's what he did in the short term. Now, maybe in the long term, and his argument would have to be, well, now every time anybody does something that hurts a company knowingly for that law, it doesn't really apply because you can just say, we've got to give it a hundred years. Trust me, it's going to work out. Like unless the company goes out of business, you can't really sue somebody it seems like for that. If if you get to say, just wait. It'll pan out. <laughs> anyway, no question in there. Sorry. One last bomb to drop at the end here is if if AI is purely taking the result and reprogramming the means. And that's it's kind of a big but I mean to define machine learning a bit taking the result and reprogramming the actions to improve that result or make sure or always get the correct result is it inherently unethical since it doesn't care about the means only the ends
2: but it does care about the means because it's trying to figure out what the means
0: are if they give but they only want the means that give the right result at the end and i guess people would have to hold ai accountable if ai does stuff that gives you the result they want, but the stuff they did was bad, then people have to stop giving them that result. It's like, stop reinforcing this child's behavior when they do bad stuff, kind of.
2: So this is a really big topic.
0: i yeah, um, say, drop I it think, at the uh, end.
2: <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that I wanted to just clarify with regards to my comments about the means, what what I meant by that is to attend to the means of a process to pay attention to the means nine times out of 10 when we don't get the outcome that we want when we go back and we look at what happened someone didn't attend to the means in the process
1: yeah
0: right
2: and so that what that means is to always focus on what you're doing in the process and attend to it as best you can without without necessarily focusing so much on the ends because the if the means are attended to in the best way possible the chances of the outcome being towards what you desire are going to be pretty good right, right.
0: don't okay pay repeat, to
2: that. repeat that repeat that get the outcome that you desire right and so, so if you
0: set up the process properly, if it's logical in any way and the means are properly carried out, the ends should happen on their own.
2: They should. Yes. I mean, we live in such an outcome driven society. It's like, it, it, it's, you know, what am I going to get? How, you know, like what, what, what's the bottom line? What if something goes wrong? Like, and all of these things that can't be answered, can't be controlled we can't do anything about, but what we can do is pay attention to the means along the way. Right. That we can control it is our participation and contribution to the process to make the outcome as good as we possibly can and forget about what the outcome is going to be. It will happen. It always does. <laughs> if
0: before you're... we
2: start before we started this podcast, there was going to be an outcome. The end of this podcast. Did we know what it was going to happen? No. Did we know where this conversation was going to go? But you go? can
1: plan for it. You can yeah. state what it is. That's ethical. You can prepare for it, but you don't know what's going to happen.
2: So yeah. pay attention. We conversed. We had a good conversation. We stayed engaged with each other. And look at the outcome. Now there's this podcast.
0: Yep. Awesome. And I'd say um, one thing to throw in some words of wisdom for marketers out there wondering if what you're doing is right, wondering if the company you're working for is being ethical, that kind of stuff is um, think about what Bill and Ted said and just be excellent to each other. That's probably not even the correct quote.
1: Be chief <laughs> good.
0: Try to be good. Yes. Try to do good. If you're even thinking about it, it's the parent thing. If you're thinking about whether you're a good parent or not and worried about it, then you probably are. So if the thought doesn't cross your mind and you're listening to this, you're like, I've never thought about ethics in marketing. Uh Uh-oh, maybe you should listen to this a second time. Uh, Or call Christina up and uh, her company might be able to help you out there, inject some ethics into what you're doing. Um, But uh, think about it, whether you're actually being ethical or not, what you can do to be more ethical if necessary. Please do not go full Y and make up some bogus ethics and spew it out there as as how great you are. Um, But, you know, do practice some actual ethics in your marketing. And, and just try to apply the stuff and you won't always get it right, but do what chief you Chief good, chief yeah. good
1: man, chief good.
0: Be the chief good officer.
1: Hey, that's a great idea. Do we have chief good officers in corporations now? Not, not that I'm aware of. Oh, let's start that. I think I we should that. start it. Yes. Let's
0: do it. And <laughs> notorious
1: GGD, there you go.
0: It could be part of your company now is developing that that uh, that position. We should have you on again sometime. There's so much to touch on here and this could easily be a whole show that only ever talks about this kind of stuff. But please, listeners, share us on social media. Uh, you know, Share this episode with people maybe that you think need to add a little more ethics in their marketing. And, uh, oh, but Christina, before we sign off, any last things that you want to say on this top, this massive topic?
2: So always just... Act without pressure. That's how you get can get into that ethical space. Don't be pressured. Don't allow the noise of the project or the noise of the client or the noise of your leadership get in the way of you taking the time to look at things thoughtfully. So act without pressure from within or without.
0: Nice. Be that. Be that jurist. Again, check the show notes. I'll put up there the uh, the rules for the for the jury to follow, and uh, and try to apply that to your uh, to your judgments on a daily basis. All right, again, uh, share us on social media, um, and uh, subscribe. All that kind of stuff. You can find the show notes on this episode. More about Christina De Giacomo on uh, ifyoumarket.com. and we'll have some links there where people can find you as well, Christina. Your site, More Alchemy, um, your podcast. I guess I said there could be a whole podcast. Wait, there is a whole podcast on this stuff, right?
2: Yes, it's called Wise Up with Christina. Uh, Wise Up. Yeah, Wise Up. And uh, it's not just about marketing, but it's basically where philosophy meets business.
0: That is awesome. Everybody go subscribe to that, please. Leave her a good review. Leave us an, I would say, above average review is all I'm looking for. And uh, again, the links will be on if you market.com to morealchemy.com to Christina's LinkedIn page. If you have a question about whether you're, what you're doing is evil or not, just reach out to her there. She can probably help you. If you have a question about whether it's evil or not, I can just tell you right now it is. If you're questioning whether it's evil, it's evil. All right. You're not going to accidentally not be evil.
1: (laughs) They don't need to call her. Just, just look. You're run me out of
0: business. (laughs) Do something different. (laughs) On behalf of Carla Jo Helms and the If Market team and Christina DiGiacomo of More Alchemy, thank you for listening to the If Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, ethically, yep, ethically. For, the, for the
1: chief good, they will come.